0: Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning, Exodus 3. We have one more meeting in 2022, as hard as that is to believe. That's two weeks from now, December the 2nd. And... um, so if, you, if you're not getting any information from me via text or email, uh, sign up on the information sheet on the left-hand side as you leave. If you need any help, don't wait <laughs> like all other men do. Uh, thinking that it's surely going to go away uh, or I'm going to figure this out. You're probably not. It's okay. Um, so let me know, and I'll try to either help you myself or find somebody who can help you. Um, but this morning we're talking about fear, uh, which is a very complex human emotion. And I'm going to ask Leon Pruzon to open us up with a word of prayer. Amen. All right, so it's helpful to have this little sheet for lots of reasons. It's got the questions on it, but it's got a couple of quotes on it as well that I think can be helpful um, both in your discussions and as you go. So fear, is, it's too big of a topic for us to obviously cover every lane in the highway. This is like a 10-lane highway. Um, it can be practical. You see a copperhead snake, you step back. That's practical, helpful fear, Uh, but it can be paralyzing. Something has happened, some amount of stress or anxiety or an event, and you get paralyzed where you can't move forward. You can't get out of bed. You can't engage. And so you get stuck in a place, and you may continue to grow physically physically, but you might be stuck emotionally or spiritually or mentally. I know somebody who got stuck when they were 11, and they didn't get unstuck until they were 35. Now, they were 35, and they grew, but they were 11 in their minds. They just got paralyzed. So I want to try to talk about specifically that kind of fear, that you know what you should do, what how to step forward or the way to step forward but somehow you just can't do that and we're going to talk about that with Moses this morning but before we do we'll see this uh, probably if you're over 35 I don't know anymore what the age is but uh, the last crusade the part of the uh, Indiana Jones so if you're under maybe you haven't even seen this but Uh, If you remember, Indiana Jones is looking for the Holy Grail. This is the cup that Jesus used at uh, the Last Supper. And according to him, it has magical powers. Uh, So they're looking for the Holy Grail, and his father is dying, and he has to get the Holy Grail. He's very near it. He's got these instructions, and he's followed them all the way to the Holy Grail. But at the very end, he has to have this one. Last, what he calls a, a leap of faith, path of God only in the leap from the lion's head. Uh, Indiana only has one leap of faith in him. You notice that? Like, I'm going to find out where the bridge is when I'm coming back. I'm not going to do that one more time. But all, all of us have that moment, do we not? Where you're standing there and it just looks impossible. But you've got to somehow put your foot out and 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 go all the way in where it might cost you everything. And so Moses is at this particular point. He's at his leap of faith moment with God. And I want to quote one of the quotes that's on your sheet by Barton, which is a leadership book, book about Moses. And this resonated with me. Any kind of authentic calling usually takes us to a place where we have serious objections. Any, any kind of calling. That could be a, a calling to ministry. It could be a calling to marriage could be a calling to fatherhood it could be a calling to your work It could be a calling to a community calling to a church well I mean whatever it is any kind of authentic calling will take you to a place where you have serious objections places where you feel fear or feel inadequate following this calling will require require us to confront our own willfulness, willfulness I don't want to go or our preconceived ideas about how we thought life would go At some point, we think what God is asking us to do is downright impossible or we just don't want to take the risk. So that's where Moses is. It seems impossible and he doesn't want to take the risk. So he's met God in the burning bush, chapter 3. God, he's turned aside. We've talked about this. He sees the Lord. He hears a message from the Lord in verse 8, chapter 3. Moses, I have come down to deliver the people out of the Egyptians. And I'm sure Moses is like, yes, I mean, I tried, I failed, and I'm so glad you've come. This is awesome. And for, I don't know, 15 seconds, he celebrates until he gets to verse 9. Come, I'm planning on sending you. What? I mean, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what my game plan was. And then he has this extended conversation, which I want to try to read through these verses with you. Come, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? Just notice the first point of focus for Moses is what? Himself. That's just the first part of fear. First part of fear is I'm going to start referencing myself and my skills or abilities or limitations. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out? And he said, but I'm going to be with you. You're going to notice this pattern. I'm going to be with you, and this is going to be a sign. You're going to come back, and you're going to worship me on this very mountain. And then Moses says, well, if I come to the people of Israel and say, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, well, what is his name? What shall I say? And God said to Moses, say, I am who I am. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He has sent me. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses comes back. But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. They will say, the Lord didn't appear to you. And then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And so Moses, God gives Moses these three signs. First of all, take this um, staff and throw it on the ground turns into a snake, pick it back up, turns back into a staff. Put your hand into your cloak, comes out leprous, put it back in, it comes out clean. And if they don't believe these signs, there'll be a third sign where you will take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, verse 9, and it shall become blood. So these three signs to just say, hey, I'm going to be with you, Moses. I'm going to do this in front of you. You don't have to worry about that, verse 9 So Moses said, great, let's go. Uh, No. But Moses said, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since I've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and tongue. And then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with you. I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. Verse 13, but he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Just this negotiation tactic. Any kind of authentic calling will take you to a place where you have serious objections of some sort. So we're at this impossible moment, and I just want us to remember that God somehow, for his reasons that we don't understand, his plan of attack for the world is partnership with us. That's plan A. And that starts in Genesis chapter 2. God created man, and he was the creator. And then he's asking God, Adam, now you create. You cultivate. You create. You manage. We're going to work together. We're business partners. And that's exactly what God has in plan for Moses You saw that in in verse 8. God's come down to deliver. And how am I going to deliver? Well, I'm going to use you. So God has all kinds of plans. You know, the the don't be afraid because God feeds the birds of the air. You know that passage? In other words, you're going to be fed, but how are you going to be fed? Well, a farmer, the person who makes the fertilizer, the person who runs the tractor-trailer, the person who puts it on the shelf the person who checks you out, all these people are going to be used to keep you fed. So I'm in a partnership here in this world, and I'm planning on using you specifically in some particular way, and I just want you to know, this is God speaking, that I'm going to call you to do something that will seem impossible at some point. It will be impossible at some point, if it's an authentic calling. You will be called to do something you didn't sign up for. If you've been married or had children, you have said at some point, hopefully not out loud, (laughs) I didn't sign up for this. I mean, you know, and I could have told you on your wedding day, but guess what? Doink. No, I mean, just not going to come in. But... There, there will be things that you say, I didn't realize it was going to be this hard to have children. And it's good you don't know in advance, right? I mean, because otherwise there would be no population. Um, there are things that are going to be hard for you. It's going to require you at some point to, to step into something that's beyond your current ability or vision. And Moses almost gets paralyzed here, and you can see it with this discussion. You see these three fears. First, the fear of failure. Who am I? I don't speak that well, which is kind of interesting since he's having a good dialogue here with God. You'd think if you could have some pushback with God, you could probably have some pushback with Pharaoh. But his assessment of himself is to look at himself. Fear of failure, the task is too big. I mean, I'm good at killing one soldier and burying him in the sand. But a whole army, I'm not good at that. So the very first thing, a fear of failure. So I'm just gonna ask you when you, when you think about this, and this is, might be a tough discussion in your group to be this vulnerable, but which one of these fears migrates to your heart? Just I think about trying to step out into whatever it is, a new business, a marriage, a community. And, and you just go, I just, I don't think I'm going to succeed. And, and, and I, need, I need some level of, of confidence before I step out. And this fear of, fear of failure sort of becomes paralyzing. And God can see that Moses is starting to, to close down. So he wants to give Moses these three signs to say, hey, I want you to remember these things the, the stick that turns into a serpent is a way of just saying, I can can take ordinary things and and turn them into something they're not. Moses, I can take you, a very ordinary person, and turn you into something you're not. I mean, if I can do this for a stick, Moses, what could I do with you? First sign. Second, the, the leprous hand. I can restore all things. Like you and the Israelites. Moses, in the desert, I've been restoring your soul. I'm going to restore the Israelites. I'm a person who takes things that are broken and wounded and torn apart and unclean and make them clean. You can trust me. Or the water from the Nile. This is the power source for the Egyptians. This is where all their commerce comes from. This is where all their military strength comes from. And he says, Moses, when you get there and you get overwhelmed by their power, I'm in control of that power. I can take the Nile and turn it into blood if I want to. So he's just trying to reassure Moses in a very kind way, all the things that you have afraid, are fear, afraid of, I can take care of each one of these fears. Second, verse one or chapter 4, verse 1, Behold, they won't believe me, the fear of man. So I, first of all, I've got the fear of myself. I can't do it. Don't send me, I'm not a good speaker. And then it's like, well, then I'm afraid of them. Behold. And I love the word behold. It's, it's the way of saying, pay attention. You hear that? Moses is saying to God, pay attention, God. <laughs> Have you ever done this in your fear? I mean, you probably haven't said the word behold, but it's like you're starting to bring things up like God can't see this. Like, good, good thing I'm here to spy this out, God you can't see what's happening you can't see pharaoh so behold you have to you have to laugh at this except for it's sad that moses has greater confidence in what moses sees than what god sees you hear that moses is saying i really trust my eyes over your eyes and when that happens fear fear of man proverbs 29 25 the fear of man lays a snare i used this in a sermon a few weeks ago the word snare means hook in the nose so the fear of man is being led around on a chain by a hook in your nose you know how much it how much pressure or tension you need on a chain to get you to move if you have a hook in your nose not much not much a little tug oh okay yeah i'm responding and see that's that's the fear of man a little tug from the, the culture ah, okay all right all right I'll, I'll get back in line a little tug of fear hey hey that's out of line that's not politically correct nobody thinks that anymore go this way not that way keep up with your old friends do all their old habits i mean whatever it is it's just these time ty- it doesn't take a lot of tugs Takes a little tug, and and Proverbs is saying, "Don't, don't fall for that snare. Get that hook out of your nose. The fear of man is paralyzing. And then third, the fear of hardship is the way I said it. I think there's some other ways that maybe you could say it. 4.13, please send someone else. I mean, this is the last right? This is the end. I've tried everything. I'm a shepherd. I mean, I know these sheep are stupid, but it's a pretty controlled environment out here. I know what it's like to live in Pharaoh's house. I used to live there. I know the power. It's going to be a mess no matter who's involved getting these people out of the country. And I just don't want to get involved with a mess. There are some men here who just don't want to get involved in the mess of their marriage. You tried, you tried your way, you buried your wife in the sand, and that didn't work. And he said, Hey, let's go back in a different way. And just go, it's such a mess. Or with a son or a daughter or a business, or a church. I mean, I don't know where it is. But God's saying, hey, we got to get back in. And yeah, it's going to be a mess. We'll talk about this, I think, next week. It's actually going to be a bloody mess. But I need somebody to get into a bloody mess with me. I need a partner who will say, it's not what I signed up for. I didn't volunteer for this. But if you're asking me to go and you're going to be with me, then I'm going to go. That's, a, that's, that's this moment. Fear of hardship. I don't know if it's just because of my age or it feels like a trend, but especially for younger men. So often I see them just try to make decisions that protect them from hardship. So I'm not trying to look at any young men here particularly. But I just think, what, what, did, you, what did you think becoming a man was going to be? A lot of times they think somehow it's like, well, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to finally get my way. <laughs> oh, man. And all the old men laugh like, no, you get less of your way as you get older. You remember Peter? Remember this conversation with Peter? When you were young, you got to go your way. And when you're older, guess what? People are going to lead you in a way you don't want to go. That's what I want for you, the leader of the church, to allow people to lead you in a way you don't want to go. For my sake. So there's a fear of hardship. And I just want to remind us something we all know. Meaningful work is hard. If you're young, let that sing in. Meaningful work is hard. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been in ministry for 35 years. It's as hard today as it has been any other day. I haven't reached like the plateau where everything is just... on easy street we had a guy in the 6 30 or the six o'clock time an older gentleman he said i feel like god's calling me to do something i'm not doing it and i it's hard it's hard for me to get back out there every age every stage it's hard meaningful marriage if you see somebody who has a meaningful marriage they did a lot of hard work it's not well they just fit together and it was all just rainbows and ponies Very, very few, or none that I've come across. People who have a really great marriage have worked really hard, and sacrifices have been made in order for it to be successful. Loving your neighbor, having a meaningful partnership with God, all at some points are going to be hard. I use this quote every year, a couple of quotes, and I want to use them now. Patrick Lencioni, he's in the leadership space for businesses, and he says this, If you were searching for leaders to change the world, I think this is on your handout, what qualities would you look for? If you're thinking, okay, I want to change the world and I need certain people and I'm not looking for skills as much as I'm looking for character qualities, what would you look for? Courage, intelligence would certainly be prime candidates. Charisma might make the list. Yet as important as these characteristics may be, I would rank two others ahead of them. Humility and pain tolerance. If you want to change the world, which I think is too ambitious of a term, but humility, it's not about me, and pain tolerance. I can go forward even when it might be costly. So lessons learned here. I wrote them down because they'll be harder to remember, But just, and I won't say too much about each one, but run to God with your fear. I think that's what Moses is doing here. God can take the process. So just say, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I don't think I speak well. I don't want to get involved with the mess. I don't like hardship. Please send someone else. I didn't sign up for this do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition philippians 4 6 and 7 present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. so run to god with your fear one quote i read every opportunity to fear is also an opportunity to trust god so when you feel that fear coming on, think, this is an opportunity to trust. It's not, not, I don't need to get paralyzed. This is the moment for me to step forward. Reminders. I love it in the verse 17, uh, God says, take the staff with you. I just want you to remember this conversation in the desert. When you get in front of Pharaoh, when you're holding that staff, you just remember, I am with you. And sometimes just tiny little reminders, like a stick. Like a rock, like a picture, like a song, I mean, like a verse. I mean, I don't know what it would be, but usually it's something tangible that you go, I remember this moment. I remember when God was with me right here. So when it doesn't feel like God is with me over here, I remember. I have a reminder. I reach out to others. Moses was provided Aaron to come alongside And you realize, this is the most important one of these, that God is with you. He says that to every response, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. Here's a quote from, and it's on your sheet, Erwin McManus, that I want you to just kind of wrestle with. Whatever you fear establishes the boundary of your freedom. Think about that. Whatever you fear establishes the boundary of your freedom. If you're afraid of heights, you stay low. If you're afraid of people, you stay alone. If you're afraid of the outdoors, then you stay indoors. So whatever you fear establishes the boundaries of your freedom, which is why the Scriptures talk about fearing the Lord. Why would fearing God be such a positive thing? The answer is because God is the only one, if you fear Him, will not use that fear to limit you. His perfect love cast out all fear. So when God is your only fear, then you become free of dominating power of the the dominating power of fear and free to love and move forward. So the fear of God can actually cast out all other fear. All other fear creates a boundary. Paul, you can't go any further than this because you're afraid. God being with you breaks that power. The final R is required. At some point, you have to take the step. I mean, you can have the instructions like Indiana Jones does. You can have the father, you know, gasping in the back and somebody said, you got to come fast. You can have encouragement. You can have a lot of things that help. But at some point, you got to take the step. You got to say, okay, I'm going to put all of my weight on the Lord. I can't do that for you. A group can't do it for you. Your spouse can't do it. You have to do it. You got to take a leap of faith. You got to step out. Well, the questions are there. Uh, we've got about 15 minutes. Try to get in a group of three or four, if you get into a group bigger than that, you probably won't be able to answer most of the questions. And then I'll close this in a minute. Ready, break.